0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the CPG Scoop. It is the Super Monday edition, though you won't hear this on Super Monday, but we're recording it on Super Monday, which I'm super excited about. What a game. Anyway, we are very excited. I am Risa Crandall. And I am Jennifer Silverberg. And since it's Super Monday,
1: we have to say Travis Kelsey and and Taylor Swift to f- complete the bingo, don't we? Totally. Yeah. Go Go yeah. team. Go team. <laughs>
0: And we are thrilled to have Jessica here with us from Daring Foods to share her wisdom and you know just enlighten us all about her journey and what um, is going on with your, your work right now and your marketing point of view so that folks can learn and listen and be inspired and take some some thoughts away about you yourself personally and professionally so that people can be energized. So welcome Jessica to the CPG Scoop. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, We were just talking at the the top of getting ourselves all set up that both Jennifer and I are in that plant-based world. And so even more so, we feel connected to you and your brand. So we are really happy to have you with us and wanted to start out by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, tell our
2: audience about you, your career journey, and your current role over at Dairy. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I am currently the Senior Director of Marketing and Strategy at Daring Foods, which is a plant-based meat startup. I am responsible for our innovation strategy and our brand strategy. So that encompasses deciding which new product categories we want to launch into, as well as determining our core product portfolio lineup. And then with respect to brand strategy, it's a lot of determining who our target consumer is, what are the key messages that will most resonate with that consumer, both in terms of the product proposition, the product packaging, and then how those messages come to life in digital and shopper marketing.
1: Branding, my favorite. This is going to be fun. Um, So kicking it off, our favorite question, um, what one word would you use to describe the CPG marketing landscape right now?
2: It's a great question. I think the CPG landscape is experiencing a lot of change. And I think there are two trends that I think are most impactful right now and and sort of two words that would reflect that. and and they're inflation and Ozempic. I think inflation <laughs> is really fascinating because we saw a lot of inflation in 2020 to 2022 and that meant that consumers were spending a higher percentage of their disposable income on food. And even though in 2023 inflation has come down, consumers are still spending, a lot of their disposable income on food, more so than they were during sort of this inflationary period. And what we're seeing now is consumers are really feeling the burn of higher prices. And I think we're, as manufacturers, thinking about our pricing strategy in conversations with retailers, we are certainly thinking about that as a top of mind trend in the space that we need to be really cognizant of. And then Another sort of impact of inflation is that, you know, the way we have been combating inflation is with these higher interest rates. And as a result, it's been harder for early stage companies and startups to access cash to fund their operations. And that is going to be very impactful because obviously we're seeing a lot of early stage companies are, are struggling. And this is going to have a big impact on the industry because innovation, all these, you know, sort of cool new products, these trend setting items often come from these earlier stage companies. So that's a huge sort of impact from inflation, both in terms of the higher, you know, the high prices and the consumer sensitivity to that, as well as the impact on on earlier stage companies.
1: And I was kind of having a hard time deciding whether I wanted to interrupt you because I want to hear the Ozempic side. I think that's genius. Mm -hmm. But that's really interesting when you take the, the impact of inflation and then you also bump it against maybe limits on innovation. And the innovation is the stuff that usually is is supposed to keep the engine running. And right. so you have these dual kind of grinding things in the gears going on. I hadn't really thought about it that way until you said that.
2: Yes, it's fascinating because they're almost, they're, they're like going up against each other. Yeah. Innovation mm-hmm. is usually also priced higher because it's using like the great new Ingredients And it has, you know, the higher claims around macronutrients and, and things like that. But consumers are really sensitive around price, I think, now, more so than, you know, several years ago. And so it's, it's putting, I think, businesses of all sizes in a different position where they're trying to reconcile both. Makes sense. Endo-zempic. Endo-zempic. Yeah,
0: about that. Yeah.
2: Ozempic, I think, is something we've all been hearing a lot about. And, you know, I've seen statistics that say between 8 and 15 million Americans are now taking Ozempic. And it's really fascinating because obviously that has an impact on consumption. And so that's going to affect manufacturers. It's going to affect retailers. And what I've seen so far, sort of a preliminary data, is that spend on food for Ozempic users goes down, spend on non-alcoholic beverages goes up, which is really interesting. But I think what we're going to see next is... Within food, how does their spend change? So, you know, I think this is sort of another theme, but like we're hearing more about ultra processed ingredients, ultra processed food. And I think that dovetails nicely with this Ozempic trend, because as consumers get more savvy on what they're eating and sort of the the negative impacts of these ultra processed foods, they're going to start demanding higher quality ingredients, simpler ingredient lists, stronger sort of macronutrient profiles. Um, And I think that's going to have also a big impact on the innovation pipeline from, you know, big companies and small. Yeah. People are more aware
0: than ever before, right, about what they should be putting into their bodies and how to read the label and um, to understand what is processed food even means. So if at minimum Ozempic raises the awareness of that, um, that's a positive step in the right direction
1: absolutely for for some companies it is and for some companies it's has to be terrifying because there are a lot of ingredients that help help keep you hooked and and some of those if if that hook comes undone because of ozempic wow that that does that changes a lot that's okay wow this these are big big trends we're talking about here what are the opportunities you see that creating
2: in this space I think that big companies, as you just alluded to, are going to have to have a massive reckoning over their product portfolio. Obviously, they're not going to be able, you know, you don't move overnight away from all of these big sort of mass brands, but I think you see sub brands start popping up. I think you see, you know, SKUs sort of extending the product line that are in the sort of a better for you space like or better yep. few versions and the ideas. you know, you maybe are losing a little bit of share from your core products that are the bulk of your revenue, but you're hopefully sort of launching the departures with these, either these better for you sub brands or these new SKUs. So I think big companies are going to be thinking about that and they'll do that either through internal innovation or through acquisitions. And then I think startups are going to have almost the opposite problem, which is startups Ooh. And early stage companies, usually the drivers of innovation, are going to have to think even more critically about price, um, because they're the ones who are, are coming out with these better for you products, these really clean ingredient lists, but often it comes at a cost because it's more expensive. And because of sort of the inflation and and the impact that's having on consumer spending, consumers are, are not able to pay the same prices that they were. And so there, you're going to see sort of both you know, at both ends of the spectrum of the big companies and the startups sort of having to meet a little bit more in the middle.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So it, it does create some opportunity and some challenges, right? It's a delicate balance there. Do you, How are you at Daring Foods looking at where Where you can accelerate being a food startup, right? You have some nimbleness that the big companies may not have. I wonder what what you're all thinking about how you can navigate this combination of inflation and what's going on with um, people being aware of certain
2: foods, so that you can so you can really you know make your mark even bigger and bolder. Yes, I think that's an excellent question, and it's really the reason I joined Daring within plant-based meat. I think we are seeing some of the impact of, of what I just alluded to around increasing awareness of, of processed foods. And I think, you know, several years ago when the plant-based meat industry really started booming, people thought, you know, if it was plant-based, that meant it was automatically healthier. And what we've mm. seen recently is that a lot of plant-based meat products are very processed and contain very long ingredient lists full of ingredients that you don't recognize as a consumer, couldn't purchase yourself in the grocery store, don't feel good about eating. And I think that really explains why the plant-based meat industry has been going through a bit of a harder time this year. And daring, to me, represents the next generation of plant-based meat because it is an incredibly clean product. Our original SKU is six ingredients, all of which you recognize, all of which you can purchase. You know, it's soy, salt, spices, water, plant-based oil. So you feel good about eating all of it. And then unlike a lot of other plant-based meat brands, which I think have failed to replicate the texture of meat, and that's why they launch nuggets or patties, because a ground a ground meat texture is a very is is a lot easier to replicate than a whole muscle texture. And daring with its so it has its six ingredient list, but it also has this unbreaded whole muscle texture where when you take a piece of daring with your fork, you can shred it in the same way that you could shred like a real animal chicken thigh. And that is a huge step change in the space. So I think daring is actually well positioned to sort of meet these increasing demands around ingredient simplicity and higher quality product. And I think a lot of the other big brands that have these long ingredient lists and these textures that don't kind of meet the standard of consumers are going to struggle more.
1: Yeah. Are you saying you think that's what happened during 2023 where there was a little softness in this space or... um, And and do you think that's going to change in 2024? Is that, is that what you're saying there?
2: I'm saying that plant-based meat has had a little bit of a struggle in 2023. And I think that's because a lot of the bigger players in the space have been around for either a few years or they came out with sort of like improvements in taste, um, but didn't innovate as much in ingredients And I think, you know, daring in, you know, in 2024 is well positioned because of both its texture and its ingredient profile. Um, I think, you know, we'll see that in other segments of the plant-based food space as well, which is consumers, you know, they, they want taste, they want texture, and now more so than ever, they want the ingredients to be really simple and to be a short list because a lot of consumers are flexitarians. Vegans and vegetarians don't represent, you know, they represent maybe 10% of the total population. So when these plant-based food companies are going after consumers, they're going after consumers who are choosing between the animal product and the plant-based product. And so if you look at milk, for example, like milk has one ingredient, it's just milk. Plant-based milk has 15 ingredients. So I think the best plant-based milk products are the ones that have the shortest ingredient list. And then can perform the same way the dairy milk does. And it's the same thing for plant-based meat, you know, chicken versus impossible beyond 50 plus ingredients is for a flexitarian. It's, it's a harder choice, but if you have daring, that's a six ingredient versus chicken, that's one ingredient that, that makes more sense.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like some of the other large manufacturers, as well as emerging brands are focusing in on the number of ingredients? Are they, paying attention to that as something that
2: consumers are looking towards i think so i think i think all manufacturers are starting to really reconcile with this like incredibly sophisticated consumer now who is more knowledgeable than ever before is unwilling to just accept that plant based means healthier is more savvy on you know the impact of processed foods on their health um, and I think a lot of these brands are really trying to come out with better for you versions of their products. Um, but the truth is, especially in plant-based meat, innovation takes a lot of time because these are like highly technological and scientific products. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to launch a sauce, for example, where you have a chef who is able to, you know, make real time improvements in the, in a, you know, a kitchen versus like plant-based meat where there's a huge amount of R&D that is required.
0: Absolutely, right. Things can't move as quickly as we'd all like because it does take time, right, to to make these innovations or to change, you know. Um, Do you see others, not even your competitive category at all, of course, but do you see others taking the right steps to be able to look at how inflation and Ozempic and clean foods, do you see look at others in just kind of the natural kind of, category doing it right that you
2: say like that that's a company that is doing it right that um, you know we could take some cues from I think there are a lot of brands that are doing a phenomenal job and interestingly enough the brands I'm going to mention are probably more mid-size or large brands though I, I do think there are a lot of startups as well that are doing a great job but for me kind um, the you know the nut bar company is mm-hmm. incredibly reflective of this dual need for reasonable price points but high quality ingredients, simple ingredients that you can see. So the the bar has, you know, very simple ingredients, you recognize all of them on the back, and you can literally see them through the clear plastic packaging. To me, that innovation that is so critical, you know, you feel so good about eating a kind bar, and it tastes really good. It's almost like a healthier candy bar. Um, and of course, it's just it's a really affordable price point. Um, obviously, much more expensive than a literal candy bar, but one where I think consumers across the entire value chain can can feel good about purchasing it. I think Spindrift is another example. It's also a little bit of a a bigger brand, but the non-alcoholic beverage space has grown so much in the last few years. We see, you know, sodas and better for you sodas and sparkling waters and tonics and elixirs and smoothies and all these sort of beverages that, you know, that have proliferated and I think one thing they all share is they all have absolutely beautiful packaging, but not all of these products are very good. Some of them are quite expensive. A lot of them make promises that are very, you know, pie in the sky, like we will solve all your problems with these adaptogens or sort of magical ingredients. And, um, you know, it's to some extent, those are almost like luxury products at a very accessible price point because they're competing with the sort of very mass beverages. But to me, Spindrift has done such an amazing job because it's a super clean ingredient list. Um, it tastes really good. And you can buy it at Trader Joe's now. It's a very affordable price point. And so these brands have been in the space for a little bit longer. And, you know, they have the economies of scale where they're able to price more efficiently and effectively for the consumer. But I think they're very reflective of that clean ingredient list, high quality product and reasonable price point. Yep. Yep. That comes across. Yes.
1: It does. It does. So if you are going to look forward at 2024, I can't believe we're already like well into it all of a sudden. I'm not sure how that happened. But looking looking forward to 2024, based on you know what we saw through 2023, what, what are the big changes that you predict from a consumer behavior or
2: CPG marketing standpoint? There's- it's a great question. I think consumers are I think consumers are going to be a lot more careful in some respects about spend or they're going to maybe demand more from the manufacturers than they have before. Hopefully, inflation will go down and hopefully prices will also come down. I think that's been one of the biggest challenges. A lot of retailers or a lot of manufacturers, I should say, took price up and, and haven't taken price down. And I think especially earlier stage companies that have the more pricey products on shelf are going to have to... a little bit more sensitive around price and i I think that that might be a trend we see in 2024 is for the brands that are able to still innovate um that have access to these sort of to the capital markets that access to cash to continue funding their operations they're going to come out with you know products that meet that ingredient simplicity requirement but at a price that is a lot more reflective i think we're going to have fewer of the like luxury products that come out into the space in twenty twenty four because I just don't think the market right now can support that.
1: yeah is there anything
2: else you think will shift? This is almost like an a separate point, but I think that there is a huge desire for community and engagement in like across all age groups, and I think this sort of theme of people wanting more connection um is is best expressed by the cpg space in marketing and you know beverages in particular are able to sort of communicate this most by talking about you know conviviality and socializing and creating spaces for people to come together like i think beverages have the best ability to create marketing around those themes because you think about you know alcoholic beverages or sodas or things like in a more festive context. But I think I really do believe that consumers um, are are craving more connection. And I think one of the themes that we'll see in marketing will be, you know, talking about this way, like these products bring people together and they give you an opportunity to sort of socialize and and celebrate. Um, and I think that it's not so much related to food innovation, but I think we'll see that from like a marketing Theme at like theme standpoint. I agree
1: with you. I think it may be easily the most important um, change in the coming year. As you know, we've got a lot of change coming. We have a big election. We have the mm-hmm. the Olympics. We have a lot of geopolitical pieces that are up in the air right now. And then you have AI on top of all of that, which lends all kind of insecurity to everything. And so connection is what we turn to when we're insecure. So that that makes a lot of sense. How do you think marketers can play into that and and leverage this desire for for
2: community and connection? I think that the creative we see can speak to connection, so whether that's sort of like, you know, your Instagram posts or your social ads or even, you know, your how we talk about, you know, coming together around X beverage or throwing like a party where you make X food item and you invite your friends over. I just I think that it will come to life mostly through the creative, less the actual products. Though, of course, you could sort of say like multi-serve products are a great way to Create connection because you you are bringing a group together to eat them, so to some extent there's a little bit of that, but I really think it will come to life more through the creative storytelling
0: yeah I think that that 's a big part of it as far as helping brands drive both brand and demand, right telling that story and uh, making that connection that authentic connection between consumers and the products that 's a critical piece of this, which you know you 're doing very successfully, but it's it's so important that you're thinking through the consumer and their behaviors and what is on their mind and what their challenges are so that you can be nimble to that. Uh, and that will be rewarded in, you know, consumers coming to the brand, new consumers, as well as existing consumers, um, as well as the great taste. I mean, that's a big part of, um, you know, getting to the new consumer and getting that loyal consumer and moving people from not plant-based to flexitarian and, and really giving your brands the, the opportunity to shine bright. Exactly. And then speaking of connections and, you know, just understanding, you know, connecting to humans, right? That's a big part of what we do in marketing, but it's a big part of what we do in life. Um, and we always like to have our guests really share what, what are the things that inspire you? What are the things that keep you going both personally that certainly can help professionally? But, you know, it's all about, you know, ourselves thinking about what motivates us, and what gets us excited? What are the things that we're doing that, that you're doing that really give you that extra spring in your step?
2: For me, running is my sort of number one activity that keeps me happy. And whether that's running on my own or running with friends, that is very meaningful to me. And I also think sort of on the subject of connection, hosting, you know, having friends over, even for like smaller productions where it's, you're not hosting a whole dinner party, but you're just, you're having some friends come over for tea. Having those sort of, those connection points, I think are so critical And whether that's like on a personal level from, you know, sort of a social standpoint or even at work, you know, my role is so cross-functional. I spend more time with sales and finance and R&D and operations than I even do with a lot of members of my, you know, fellow marketing team. And having personal relationships and discussions not about work at work where you are connecting with each other on a personal level, I think makes professional relationships so much stronger because a lot of the, the roles we all inhabit are leading um, through teamwork and collaboration versus like direct reports, because, you know, you're working with people from other functions and just having strong personal relationships, I think is the key to having a really strong professional relationship and, you know, really smooth innovation
1: processes. (laughs) I feel like it's become one of the gifts of COVID. You know, certainly COVID took a tremendous amount away, but one of the gifts is sort of getting to know people on a personal level because we're talking to them when they're in their own home. It, it kind of
2: changes a, the dynamic a little bit, doesn't it? I think so. You see people in a different setting, and I think you, you see people at a slightly more vulnerable sort of place. And, and I think it creates a lot more mutual compassion and I think mutual respect and Ultimately, you know, you spend so much time at work, so much time with your work colleagues. I think having really strong relationships is one of the ways that work can be incredibly meaningful um, and you can work together even more effectively.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we can't we can't emphasize always, you know, just the human component of everything, personal and professional should not be should not be taken for granted and should be really elevated in our daily lives and and you are doing that and i love the fact that you know you're creating small occasions everything doesn't have to be a big it can be having people over for tea or taking a run together that those human connections big and small are are just critically important to nourish us uh, and give us that that spring in our step or that recharge that we're all looking for every day
1: absolutely Uh, absolutely well, Jessica, I know I've taken a bunch of notes on this one, which is always a good sign that there was a lot of information that you shared that, that I'm hoping will help our audience as well. But um, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Um,
0: really, really appreciate it.
2: Thank Athlete you so much for
0: having me. me. Absolutely. We're glad you're here. Keep that plant-based. We're going we we really appra- applaud everything that you're doing and how mindful you are to thinking about the consumer. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for joining us and that is our CPG Scoop Happy Monday Super Monday edition.